0: Welcome to the Moving the Needle podcast. Canada has a thriving television and film industry employing hundreds and thousands of people. Like many parts of the country, my home city, Toronto, is a hub for many many shows and for production studios. But like all parts of our lives, this industry has also been challenged by the pandemic not only has it had to deal with postponements and cancellations of filming productions and festivals due to travel restriction and physical distancing measures it has also had to deal with massive
1: layoffs and perhaps is only now beginning to recover absolutely senator the pandemic comes on the heels of a complete overhaul of the industry streaming giants like netflix disney plus have changed the way canadians watch shows and films. Going to a movie theater is not the only way people watch movies anymore. This change may create some challenges, but also creates a whole new set of opportunities for our artists. You're so
0: right, because with disruption comes innovation. We had the distinct pleasure to speak to world-renowned director and one of my closest friends, Deepa Meta, for this broadcast. And we had a great discussion about her new film Funny Boy and what's it, what it's like to make movies in Canada. Let's get to the interview. Welcome to Moving the Needle. Today, we're talking to a really special f- person, my friend and world-renowned filmmaker Deepa Mehta. Deepa has had an astonishing career telling unique and important stories. She's well known for her Elements trilogy, uh, Fire, Earth and Water, where the last film Water, which was made in 2005, was Canada's official entry to the Academy Award for Best Foreign Film. And just recently, she's given the same honor again for her new film, Funny Boy, which will represent Canada at the Academy Awards in the category of Best International Film. Deepa, you're an incredibly busy person. and I really want to thank you for speaking with us today. So let's get on with the question. You and I have known each other for a very long time, actually, since we were born, and we won't <laughs> talk about how long ago that was. No, we will but, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but we do talk often about our identities, whether and if and how we are sometimes more Canadian, sometimes more Indian. So help our readers and un- uh, help our listeners understand how you navigate and negotiate these very different identities and more. Uh, and, and, and how do you represent in your own work the conflict of identities centered around what I know about you, which is you are truly Canadian.
2: Hmm. That's interesting. I mean, uh, I felt for many years, as as you know, and our listeners perhaps don't know that uh, uh, I was born in Amritsar, which is in North of Punjab, but so were you. And we went, to, we went to school in India, we went to university in India, and we got married in India and uh, came to Canada. Uh, I felt. I mean, and we pursued our different careers, and I am so proud of you. I really am. I'm proud of what you do. I, I'm so proud of what you do for people who want to come to Canada. People who can't, who are not welcome, or find that they can't breathe in their own countries. Uh, you have given them a refuge. So whenever I I see something about you or I hear some some Syrian that I meet in a in a supermarket talk about you know it was Senator Ratna Omidwar who helped us come here. I mean I can't and in places like Brighton, I'm not talking about Toronto. It's so I so the, anyway, what I'm saying is the admiration is mutual for different reasons. Uh, I feel that my stories all come from India or mostly or mostly come from India stories that inspire me stories that are about patriarchy that are about uh, the rough time women women have had in a patriarchal society talking about how you always feel the other I mean India has 728 la- official languages and uh, and every province is different from the other and how 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 a country that's essentially probably like Europe, has become a country. There are many aspects of India, and there are many aspects of India that really inspire me. And I've said very often, and I'll say it again, that if India inspires me with her stories, uh, Canada gives me the freedom to tell the stories. And that combination for me is paramount. Because what's the point of stories if you can't express them? And what's the point of expressing stories that do not want that. Do not move you or do not want you to have a conversation about things that are important to me. Inequality is important to me. Uh, the desire to be seen as somebody who's who's a different color is important to me. Uh, there's a yeah, that's enough. <laughs> I think wow, I've said that's enough.
0: that's beautiful. Um, you've told s- the stories. Of other people, other places in your in your movies. I want to hear a bit of your own story. What was it like for you when you came to Canada in the nineteen seventies? How did you experience uh, uh, being new, being different? I mean, you came in very different circumstances than I did. You married a Canadian and came to Canada. There's a there's a safety in 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 that route. But mm-hmm. there's also dangers uh, and, and strangeness and everywhere. So why don't you tell us a bit about your story?
2: Well, it was very interesting. I remember uh, it's uh, years ago when, when I was getting married to, uh, to Paul Salzman, who was my ex-husband and uh, we were getting married in Delhi. There was a part of, my mother came to me just before the bride is sort of given away. And she said, you look deeply unhappy. And I said, "Why?" But I'm, I'm supposed to be happy. And she said, <laughs> "She said, she said, are you all right? Are you sure you want to leave India?" It wasn't about Paul. It was about I. You, you know, I was such a sort of flag bearer always. It wasn't everything that I'd done was about the celebration of 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 the diversity of the conflict of uh, of India. And uh, and she said. And she said, are you sure you'll be able? And I said, of course. You know, when you're young, you feel that it's, life is going to last forever. And, and I said, mom, you know, I'm not I'm not going to Canada forever. I'll just go there for a couple of years, check it out. And if I don't like it, I'll come back. <laughs> you know, famous last words. When you're young. I mean, I was like 21 or something. Ridiculous. Uh, and but I, when I came here uh, and, you know, you started, Paul had a job. I didn't have a job. I had the toughest time trying to find some work. I'd done film, our father's film distributors, your father, my father, I grew up in movie halls and uh, I want. I loved film. I'd done my first documentaries in India. Uh, the first one I did was called Vimla and, uh, and I wanted to pursue a career, but there was no way I could find any work. And so I remember out of desperation one day, calling the Indian consulate here in Toronto and saying, do you have a job for a receptionist? Can I do anything that would connect me to India? Because I was feeling so disenfranchised and going to a friend's, Paul's friend's house somewhere, I don't know, in, uh, in down, you know, down, I don't know, somewhere in Midtown or something and sitting in the garden, very nice people. And next door, hearing a kid say, oh my God, I can smell parking shit. I mean, you know, things like that always have such an impact on you. And you and, and I was looking around and saying, what are they talking about? Till I realized that they were talking about me. Or going to a baseball game with a friend. And these aren't sub stories. This is about reality. Uh, and that very nice couple, very bright turned to me and said, oh God, you speak really good English and uh, I thought I was being very funny and I said oh I learned it on the plane coming over and she said oh really good she actually believed me and so it was like I mean I, I, you know how do you Ratna, and we've talked about funny boy for example the last line of funny boy is the one that's the most important to me which is when a bunch of re- refugees from Sri Lanka who have been persecuted who've gone through the genocide with with the Civil War Tamil one arrived here Tamil refugees arrive at Leicester Pearson Airport and and the, the last line of the film is where the mother says with her children they're sitting in a car it's snowing she's got sandals on' they're, they're unprepared for what's happening and uh, but they know that they are safe here and she says uh, you know, uh, in this new world, we were, we are free slaves, and that hasn't changed. Because for me, Canada will change when we when we actually change the preconceptions of what we are. We are the preconception of a kid 30 years ago said he smelled turkey shit. Uh, somebody thought I learned English in a, on a plane. And now, you know, 20 years ago, every Indian was a motel owner. And it, and these preconceptions that, does it come from education? Maybe I feel I learned world history in school. Did anybody learn world history in, in Canada? It's, it's when, I, now, when are we going to be free of that? Anyways.
0: I, so. I, I think your work actually, is part of an informal curricula of world history if uh, if your stories are all about people caught up in, in in situations that might be individual or personal but they are in a broader political context one of my favorite movies of yours which i think uh, most people may not know of is a, a film about about uh, a about, it's called sam and me and Uh, (laughs) It's about uh, an old Jewish senior citizen who's going partly senile and his Mm -hmm. caregiver is a young uh, Indian immigrant. In fact, uh, I had a bit of a role in the movie, uh, which you kindly cast me in, which (laughs) which I I think I was (laughs) terrible at. But every film of yours from Sam and me to um, funny boy, uh, to fire, earth and water. They're all situated within a political context. They're not just the stories of one person. They're the stories of people caught up in situations that are beyond their control. So do you? what do you hope people take away from your film? I mean, there's obviously the compassion uh, that you bring, uh, the empathy that you evoke with people in these situations. But you also leave something behind with, at least I think you do, because every time I've seen a movie of yours, I've come away more curious about the political situation. I've read about it. I felt deeply about it. Is is that your legacy in world history, so to say?
2: Uh, I don't know if it's my legacy, but you 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 just uh, um, you've hit upon something that... Uh, uh, which is very true for me. Which is that what drives me to make the films I do, and generally, it's I would say uh, most of the time it's curiosity. So whether it's a film about um, domestic violence in it, that happens to immigrant women when they migrate to let's say Canada or anywhere when they leave home, uh, it's it's heaven on earth is one of my favorite films. I, I forget that I did it because I like it so much. I like it because it, it it informs the absolute abject loneliness of young women who get into arranged marriages, come to Canada, have no safety net at all. Their parents, their cousins, their friends, have, all are left behind in India and they come. And if they're abused, where do they go? And so I started a drive, I said, after doing the film, I said, we must have, uh, when Indian women come, or any women from anywhere in the world, come to Canada, uh, please give them a piece of paper that tells them that if they have any problems, this is a phone number they can call. Mm-hmm. So the film itself was, was, a, was one that started with curiosity about what do women who are abused who are abjectly lonely and have nowhere to go, what who do who can they reach out to? And I found out that you couldn't reach out to anybody. So you know, it was that. That was one of the reasons. And Earth, I think all my I'm not saying anything new Ratna. I mean I, I believe that uh, that what Tony Morrison said is absolutely true that all art is political. And Brecht said that too, you know, I mean, you would know more than me, and I'll probably butcher the, the quote, uh, really. I mean, it's that uh, if reality is a mirror, then art is the hammer. And uh, I, think, I think he's right. I think Toni Morrison is right. I think that we, whether we know it or not, all art is political.
0: And I know you, and I know you are political uh in in the work that you do and the work that you've you've done in canada has brought you a lot of uh uh, accolades awards and fame i know that uh, when i go out with you and we sit in a restaurant nine times out of ten we're going to get disturbed by someone wanting to take a photograph of you or get your autograph and that's par for the course but i i think there's a downside to fame um, how have you experienced it? the loss of personal freedom, the loss of space, the feeling of being constrained? Can you give voice to that?
2: I've never felt that, uh, uh, you know, and I'm, I'm grateful. I'm grateful for ca- to Canada for many things. Like I said, freedom is one of them. Freedom of expression is one of them. Um, uh, getting awards is really nice and like, but. Somebody says, unless you're really, really famous, one thing that, uh, like quasi-pain, which is where I put myself in, is where it gets you is that it gets you in front of the line. And that's the only thing that it does. you know. And uh, I'm not being facetious, but that's the reality of it. But the downside is, uh, so the upside is many. Recognition is, is power for the course and uh, etc. But the downside is also, I mean, I don't think anything in life, Ratna, comes without the yin and the yang. You know, it is—it's—it. Uh, so the upside is really high, but the downside is uh, equally low. And I think that in my case, because of the—if I made rom-coms, I think I'll be—I would be fine. I mean, all my films about songs and dances. I mean, which I, which Bollywood, Hollywood was because yes. that's what I really wanted to do. I really wanted to have a great time after water was shut down in India and it was such fun it was uh, and that uh, that was different but anything else that I've done after that because I think life is short is because I'm really curious about uh, my uh, my whole thing with Funny Boy was written for example 24 years ago but I think that the work that you did with refugees and that we were involved with earlier more David than me uh, was really Got me curious about this book. What happened? What kind of lives have people led? And because I met many Syrians, I mean, the whole idea of refugees being, yes, of course they're down and out and they're dying and it's really tough, but they're also, also refugees who 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 had a good life, including you, Ratna, in Iran, who who you know who who, who works, quote unquote, privileged. Does that mean? When they come here, that they're treated any differently or not. So that whole world of privileged refugees and their loss in a different way, equal to the loss of many other people, because they are actually put down even more than, than quote unquote an, a refugee who's had a really rough time. And that doesn't seem that was that didn't seem to me. That this is something that one should shut out just because you're privileged, you haven't lost everything. For me, that was very important. So it's uh, it's curiosity, and the downside is that when you do a film like Funny Boy, or you do a film like Water, which was celebrated, or Fire, or whatever, is that uh, people you're out there, you know, your face is out there, and you are. And somebody said to me, when water was shut down in India, they said, uh, I said, I don't understand why it's happening. I haven't even made the film. The the script went through the Ministry of Information and Broadcasting. They said yes, which they have to. They sent an officer there with you to make sure that you shoot what you said you would. And one day you wake up and you go for a shoot and the film is called Anti-Hindu. I didn't understand it. And somebody, and I think it was a very wise man, I think it was Mahesh Bhatt, who turned to me and he said, you're a very easy target. And I said, why? He said, because you're not, you're a Canadian. Yeah. You might look like an Indian, but you are considered an NRI, which is non-resident Indian. You don't live here. You're, you are seen as somebody who has the privilege of the West, who comes who has come here to do a film that may be seen as being uh, exploiting uh, the way women are treated in India, you know, and to be an easy target. But that's the downside of fame. Of, of fame. Yeah.
0: All your films uh, that you have made uh, to date, as far as I know, have all been financed by telephone uh, mm-hmm. or, or 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 Canadian investors. Let me. I, mm-hmm.
2: No. Well, uh, no, uh, no, 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 uh, no, no, Earth wasn't, uh, Fire wasn't. wasn't. Uh, um, you but your two
0: Oscar-nominated
2: Anatomy, films. Anatomy of Violence wasn't, uh, but uh, Telefilm has uh, has been, uh, Sam and was not by Telefilm, okay. which is interesting. So it, I think that Telefilm came on board uh, with uh, uh, with water.
0: Yes. water and they came on board with Funny boy and so I want to ask you a question and about
2: and that. With Hollywood
0: Hollywood and, and with, uh,
2: and with uh, the, I was really impressed by the way they came aboard on, on Heaven on Earth which is the film about domestic violence in Canada.
0: So I want to ask you what it says to you about Canada that not once but twice you've been nominated for Canada's entry into the best foreign film. For a film that is set somewhere else, tells the story of another place in a language that may not be English, because some of your, many of your movies are not in English, what does that tell you about Canada?
2: You know, when you asked me that question, the first answer that, that came to, my, or not an image that came to my mind was, thank God Canada is not America. I mean, which is sort of a weird thing to say, but. But it, 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 because it, I think when I think of Canada, and the reason I like Canada, is it's really trying as a country to do something more than pay lip service to inclusion. It's really trying. It's a long process, but I feel we are chipping away at it. And it gives me hope. And that is to be applauded in these really, really dark times. I'm a very proud Canadian who happens to be Indian, but first I'm a Canadian.
0: And as a Canadian, I think you've made some comments in the past that uh, uh, Canadian funding uh, for films by Canadian filmmakers is is only available to films that are made in 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 english or french and i i understand it's also possible to get funding for films made in an indian in an indigenous language
2: yes.
0: you made a film water the movie is in hindi not in english but to fill requi- fill the to fulfill the requirements of telefilm you had to actually make an english version which no one ever saw luckily, never saw <laughs> luckily. <the day>. okay <laughs> okay um, Do you think we should reconsider uh, the criteria on language for, I mean, there are filmmakers who are Canadian who may want to make a film in Pashto. There are filmmakers who may want to make a film in uh, Arabic or in any of the many languages that are so much part of our Canadian multicultural fabric. Should we extend that facility as well? Absolutely.
2: I mean, I I think that to extend the facility that 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 will include. Because what are films all about, Ratna? Films. uh, uh, Sorry, Senator Amidwar. What (laughs) what what are films all about? They're all about stories. And where do stories come from? Stories come from different experiences. Variety is so essential to storytelling. You know, like Shakespeare said, there's yeah. They're only three stories, but it's the way we tell them, and the way we tell them stories actually come from our personal histories. We have people from, like you said. I mean, it would be wonderful if, if we could, if, if a director who's got a Canadian citizenship, who's got a, who's lived in Canada for three years, or even two years, or whatever it takes, decides to do a film in Pashto. Why not? I said they have a criteria. The criteria should be the director is Canadian the producer is Canadian and uh, we want to you know we don't want Americans to come here and get the telephone money unless you know <laughs> it's like come on give us a break uh, they've got their own studios but we do need telephone but we but we more than more than politics it's about we need stories. How can our stories be limited? To what is considered politically correct right now. We are I'm a Canadian citizen. The guy who came in or the or the young lady who's coming from the Punjab wants to make her film. If she wants to make it in Punjabi or in Manchurian, why not? But she should be Canadian. That that I understand.
1: You you, one of the things that, that the film industry is kind of going through now, and, and I guess I'll ask, you know, sort of two questions at the same time, be, because there's, you know, scenes in Canada, but also in, in, you know, around the world, the film industry is sort of grappling with a changing landscape. You know, on the one hand, you have the pandemic that has uh, you know, at least initially halted productions, halted uh, filmmaking, you know, s- TV uh, stories, um, and they've had to adapt to, to, you know, what that new landscape of, you know, physical distancing and all that sort of stuff. So I'd be curious to hear your, your thoughts on how the film industry is adapting to that. But the second sort of major change that, had, that started, you know, a few years ago, but will continue along after even the pandemic is over, is the emergence of the streaming services and the streaming uh, giants like Netflix or Disney Plus or or Apple TV or whatever it is. Um, you know, there's lots of obviously some positive things that have come out to that for people to be able to see various films, lots of potentially new money into uh, you know, films because all of these services need content. But also then there's maybe some downsides to that where, you know, people looking at films in Canada and, and the United States or wherever, uh, you know, movie theaters don't necessarily have the films anymore because, you know, because of the production of, of films by Netflix or otherwise. So I'd, I'd like to hear your sort of talk about the, you know, talk about the pandemic and how that's been impacting, you know, uh, filmmaking and also the emergence of the streaming giants like Netflix. Um, Paul, I think that
2: uh, the emerging of the streaming giants happened about like five years ago, mm-hmm. and uh, before the pandemic. And about three years ago, it got to a point where, where the uh, where actually art cinema was getting was really threatened by because people were not going to a movie hall. And then you know movie halls also started changing the way they they presented a film. So you know you could go and have popcorn, or you could have a glass of wine before you see a movie. So it, you know, it started changing with the time. How do you attract people to come to a movie hall? And they were already starting to do it, knowing that they were competing with people who saw, who had huge screens in their house, if they could afford it, or saw a film on their cell phone. I mean, as a filmmaker, it's great to be able to see, to have my film, which is a small arthouse film. This is not Wonder Woman. This is not Deadpool. Uh, you know, to be, to go to varsity in Toronto and see it in a movie hall. Uh, but I also know that the combination of both, a streaming and a theatrical release, is the best thing that could happen to a filmmaker. Because one is an opportunity for people to go to a lot lar- and see a film in a large screen where it was shot for a large screen and you know it's an audience that they close their doors and you can't, you. You, know, you have a captive audience, you aren't using your cell phone, you aren't being disturbed because your kid wants something, you know, you are focused on the film. And as a filmmaker, that's, everybody wants that, that, that their attention should be there. But the point is, the reality is that how long can it last in a movie theater? We know that in a streaming platform, and I'm grateful for that, to Netflix and to Apple, the two, Netflix, the two streaming things that I've worked with, uh, because the the life of the film is extended. So uh, you know, I'm I'm sort of like a sucker. I say I want both. I'm really, really I want the theatrical release, which is happening for Funny Boy, for a week. But at least it's happening. It can't happen in Ontario, sadly. But uh, and then it's going to be on Netflix on the tenth. I mean, that's the best thing because then I'll
0: have the best of both worlds. Yes, I remember us as children wanting it all. And I, yes. I think that still endures. We want I, I want to remember one episode from our childhood. Uh, and it, it it it's really uh, a telling episode because it's, it's about, I think, the start of your filmmaking career. We were kids and every year at Diwali we would put on the Diwali show. And I remember you distinctly directing me to behave more like a monkey because (laughs) you cast me as Hanuman. That was great fun. But now we are in a a different world and the thrust is towards ensuring racial equity in everything we do. That's the other pandemic. And I wonder if you can comment on you know, I, I kind of see the arts as actually being more open to diversity than other sectors of society because art and culture are are, are less uh, rigid in, in, in that way. But I wonder from your point of view, what do you think uh, uh, the creative arts, filmmaking, what do you need to do to make sure that your industry is more inclusive and diverse? I think what, uh,
2: you know, uh, first of all, Art being, whether it's performance or whether it's uh, a symphony, whether it's uh, uh, an exhibit of paintings or whether it's a film, um, is more visible, more visible than many other things. I mean, it's even, you know, it takes time to sit and read a book. It's Mm. so easy to actually go out and see a trailer for one minute, 30 seconds, and make a judgment based on the trailer or what the art is, or what the film is. So, for art is, I think, yes, it's political, and that's really good. But and yet, it's also vulnerable. So that means that we have to really, really be careful of what we put out. And I'm learning the hard way that uh, that perhaps uh, when is and I'm worried sometimes when is uh, when is something that's that's when is outrage, which is based on very little knowledge going to actually define who we are? and that scares me
1: well, it's it's interesting because you know and and the senator, I think we'll we'll talk a little bit more about funny boy in a second. I just wanted to. To, to talk a little bit about one last thing, uh, you know, on on when it comes to what diversity and, and what is necessary for that to to work in films. And, you know, in the government in particular, uh, you know, the federal government here in Canada is very active in supporting films. We already talked a little bit about telefilm. Uh, you know, it is an arm's length body of, of the government, but it's still it's funded by the government and, and that. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it also has you know the government just came out with a new bill uh you know that's looking at trying to change the landscape for uh for a number of things including the streaming giants including you know my more diversity for racialized groups and also indigenous artists um, what do you think and you've already talked a little bit about you know with telefilm having the ability to to work outside of just english and french uh and in various other languages but as is there something that the government should be thinking about uh, either in the concept of, of the bill that's before parliament now, or just in general, that is necessary to nurture artists in Canada?
2: Uh, yes, they can. I mean, I think that uh, it's, and uh, uh, I am really grateful to Telefilm Canada and, uh, and to Canadian bodies, whether it's Canada Council or Canada Arts or whether it's CBC, Film Matters, that they are really trying. Uh, the challenge is, when it, when is it going to be something more than tokenism? Mm-hmm. That is what really worries me. Okay. So don't hire me because I'm a colored woman hire me because I can you think that my script deserves to be made. And if there's somebody else who's also who's, who I'm in competition with, then then I, I would really then I would really consider that hey you know I, I've had the short end of the sk- uh, stick for many years. Maybe I should be given a little bit more consideration, not complete but a little bit more, but I do not want tokenism because tokenism can really, this is a fight. I mean, this is Paul. the window is open. Everybody's into wanting to do the politically correct thing and they should for BIPOC people. But the minute it's open is the minute it starts closing. So we better be out there if you want to be seen, but don't hire me on, on your board or on the telephone board because I'm colored. Hire me because you think I can do the job. And there are many of us who can do the job. You just have to look a little bit harder. Tokenism really worries me.
0: You're you're so right, Deepa. We could have a whole different conversation about when we've been tokenized and how we've responded to it. But we could do that. I want to close our uh, conversation today Mm -hmm. with... uh, Uh, the movie that you have just made, Funny Boy, which you're no stranger to controversy. You talked a little bit about it. You know, controversy and fame maybe go hand in hand. Um, Most recently, this controversy about the casting of Funny Boy, the language, how it's spoken um, has erupted. I've seen the film and I think it is absolutely beautiful and it Tells the story of this young gay boy in a troubled situation in Sri Lanka in human in 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 really human and compassionate uh, ways, and I'm rooting for it to go to to win the Oscar. What would you like your pod- your list- your the listeners of this podcast to know about the film and the controversy? Mm-hmm.
2: Interesting. I mean the. The book that's based on, uh, the film is based on, is called Funny Boy as well. It's written by Shyam Selvadore, who is, uh, it, and it's semi-autobiographic, bi- and I think he would agree too. Uh, he is half Tamil and half Sinhalese. Uh, he grew up in Sri Lanka. He grew up gay. and uh, And I don't know if many people know that, but to be queer in Sri Lanka is still a criminal offence. Uh, and he came with his family in 1983 to Canada as refugees. They were so-called, uh, uh, I mean, they left everything behind. They literally came here. So the book was written 24 years ago. I Many people optioned it and uh, they didn't make it. And then finally, three years ago, Sham came up to me and said, here, here is, I've written the script, maybe and I want you to look at it. And I looked at the script, and the script was 250 pages long. So that is impossible to do as a film. Luckily for me, Sham said, I'll help you. You make it your own. And we worked on it together. For me, it was extremely important, as it was for Sham, that the film was set in Sri Lanka, that the film was... Archie who's the gay protagonist was actually a gay young man because we wanted that representation to be essential. That's That was a very important part for us because the vulnerability of somebody who was in that situation was extremely important. We wanted, if we could get a Tamil actor who was queer to play that in Sri Lanka or even in Toronto, we really We really would have loved that. We looked at many people. I've got got auditions coming out of my ears that are actually on record of how many people we auditioned, Sri Lankan, Tamils, to be, play RG or to play Jagan or to play Appa. Not only here, but also in Colombo and also in one in New York and one in London. And it didn't, for different reasons, it didn't happen. Two that I loved here, Couldn't do it. One was getting his father's bypass, so he had to be there, and one could not get a visa. Anyway, the point is, we really wanted it. Finally, we settled for a Sri Lankan. That was very important. Finally, we settled for a gay Sri Lankan. That was extremely important to Shyam and to me. That young man, Brandon Ingram, is living in Sri Lanka. He put his life on the line to play this role. And for me to see some Sri Lankan, Tamils, actually putting him down for something like that is heartbreaking. They should be celebrating that. But okay, each to their own. The language, in the middle of the COVID, there's a lockdown. The actors are in Sri Lanka. We were supposed to go and fix it in Sri Lanka. We couldn't. The COVID eased up a bit, we fixed every line, and I'm sounding defensive, but I'm sad. I'm sad to be accused of actually doing harm to a people that whose fate I actually have complete empathy with. Empathy to an extent that people who have seen the film, Tamil people who have seen the film, Understand that this film is so pro-Tamil and what happened to them is so anti and genocide. The reason I wanted to do this film Ratna was because to build bridges, to build solidarity, to finally talk about maybe love can conquer hatred. That's it.
0: So I think we we hear the I hear the anxiety. I also hear the sadness in your voice.
2: I'm very Uh, sad.
0: I'm very sad. Uh, But (laughs) I know this about you. I know this about you, Deepa, that when you're sad and when you're unhappy, that is the time for the great well of your creativity. And whether you recognize it or not, right at this very moment, you're thinking about your next work and I for one want (laughs) to wish you you know here's one Canadian and two Canadians Paul and me who wish you all the very best in the Oscars and in your next work of creativity if you because I know it's it's already taken a seat somewhere and I want to thank you for your time uh you're very busy
2: I I can tell you something which which I just found out like two minutes ago so I want to share it with you and Paul I just found out that Hollywood Reporter, which is, uh, you know, the newspaper, uh, said that they, you know, they make their predictions for for the Oscars. And they said for the foreign language films, the top five out of the top five, one is Funny Boy. So that's the good news. So, so
0: there you go. There you go. There you go. All the very best. Continue to bring uh, knowledge, power and stories to Canadians and continue to make Help us make Canada a better place and 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 bring that Oscar home. We wish you all the very best. Thank you. Thank you so much.
2: Thank you. Thank you. Senator Amitvar, I love you. Thank you for. All. Thank, thank you. you. Thank you. Bye-bye.